Hey everyone, this episode of the OCPHA podcast is going to be about the DIR fees with our special guest, Dr. Kentai, who was actually the president-elect at the time of recording, but now is the current president of CPHA. Hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow, and welcome to the official OCPHA podcast. And today we're going to be talking about some major issues in the pharmacy space related to DIR fees and uh, clawbacks. And we actually have a special guest on our podcast today to explain that to you, Dr. Ken Tai, President-Elect of the California Pharmacists Association and President of 986 Degrees Corporation. So thank you again for being on the show, Ken. How are you doing today? Doing great, doing great. Thank you, Tony, for uh, having me on. Yeah, of course. And, you know, just before we get into the DIR fees and clawbacks, just so, you know, for the listeners to kind of like get to know you a little bit better, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe 986 Degrees Corporation and, and your involvement with CPHA? Yeah, absolutely. Well, 96 Degrees Corporation really is a pharmacy a franchise and it's really mainly consists of independent owners, you know, want to get into independent space, really don't know how to. And the franchise presents a kind of a turnkey opportunity for them. We have uh, sole space in California, Nevada, and pretty soon in Texas. Regarding CPHA, I've been involved with CPHA for a long, long time, even as a student, graduating from USC. And it's been actually quite a few years. And uh, I guess it'll be another week or so before I get sworn in as a CPHA president. But it's exciting. Awesome, awesome. So one of the major issues, well, there are two major issues right now that, you know, a lot of California pharmacists are going to be facing is the DIR fees and the clawbacks. So just to go through the DIR fees first, can you kind of explain what that problem is? Well, yes, um, absolutely. So DIR fees, you know, it stands for direct and indirect remuneration fees. That was basically a part of Part T plans and, and the PBMs. And basically, it was meant initially to offset some of the member costs. Now it has evolved and now it's turned into basically it's gone to a place where I think the PBMs have sort of taken a little bit of advantage of the CIR fee to a point where now it's really cutting into the abilities for independent pharmacies to be pretty much exist just because nobody out there that I'm aware of is able to do business without really knowing exactly what they're getting paid. So an example of that would be you would fill a prescription and say the insurance or a Part D plan paid the pharmacy, let's just say $50, you know, somehow they made $10. The DIR fees would go back after six months or so. And basically based on some criteria that is honestly very difficult to understand, take back six or seven of that dollars and then just directly take it out of your account instead of at quote, quote, the point of sale, which was six months ago. And as you can see, that created a, a pretty significant problem, right, for any operation to exist without really knowing how much they make. So this is definitely a big issue now that's not just being confronted uh, by pharmacists and pharmacies out in California, but pretty much nationwide. So you said that this is going to be affecting pharmacy. So is this mostly on the community side or is it going to be affecting some of the the health institutions as well? Like how does that work? For the most part, it will be mainly affecting pharmacists in the community. And of course, when I say community, that, that, you know, involves, you know, all community pharmacies, right? But of course, the ones that are having the, the, the bigger problems are the ones that are in the independent space. The reason why is pretty simple because of, you know, the trend in the current marketplace, right? We've got a lot of the bigger chains. They're merging or they're buying out PBMs. And so when a PBM, quote, unquote, charge you for a fee and take back, when you don't own a PBM, so to speak, then really it's 
a one-way street. That money goes right back to the PBM. But uh, when you have, say, for example, some chains that obviously own PBM, then it's the left hand to the right hand, right? So obviously they're not as, I guess, affected because it goes back into the same pool. For independent pharmacy owners in particular, it becomes a major problem. I guess my next question is, in the current space right now, what can community pharmacists do to lead the way to get this DIR fee issue resolved or, you know, mitigated? Well, I, I, I think definitely a lot of community pharmacists out there and, and pharmacists as a whole are feeling a little hopeless. I, I do agree because, you know, the, the PBMs are really the 600-pound gorilla, right? However, there has been national efforts um, Nation, uh, that have uh, tried to to push back on this DIR fee situation, and of course locally in California, we've also you know put up a, our our version of that fight in forming a coalition, the California Pharmacists Advocacy Group through CCHA, where we are actually getting a lot of pharmacists together, a lot of pharmacy owners, a lot of patient care advocates, and really anybody that's in the healthcare arena that really understands that you know, the existence of community pharmacies and particularly independent pharmacies are of utmost importance and that um, these DIR fees potentially can lead to the closure, if not already, of many independent pharmacies. The coalition that we formed basically got lots of these uh, advocates together, including lots of schools of pharmacies, raised a lot of money, trying to provide a lot of efforts in terms of raising public awareness of what uh, are some of these practices, including DIR fees from some of the PBMs and how they're negatively affecting patient access to medications. And of course, that, you know, that might involve uh, multiple different ways, you know, to make this you know, either go away or at least to mitigate some of the you know, negative effects of DIR fees. And that might include litigation uh, and whatnot. You know, the other thing, you did mention pharmacy schools, and um, one of the things that we kind of discussed before this podcast started was the amount of education done in pharmacy schools regarding this, or rather, it's not very apparent. So are, are you doing anything to kind of like help with that as well? Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I, I think that this whole issue has really caught the attention of a lot of the different various schools. And we've actually had multiple town hall meetings throughout California, and a lot of the schools have been a very active participant in that. And I think that that has, uh, again, raised the level of awareness that we do need to, you know, do more education for our students because as they come out in, into this new healthcare arena, it's very key and critical that they understand all the different factors that affect, you know, the ability for us to practice as pharmacists and affect our ability to help our patients. And so, for example, two of the schools are having legislative events and uh, some of the focus in on, the, for example, the su subject matter of DIR fees. That's really great that the, the pharmacy schools are being more involved with the DIR fees. And the other part of it, which you also alluded to, was the patient access part. So I guess how is the advocacy group helping with getting the public to understand how this is going to be affecting patients as a whole? Well, the advocacy group has been doing a, a tremendous job. Really, I, I think as pharmacists, you know, the reality is that, you know, I think we've done an excellent job in you know, taking time to, to spend with our patients, to make sure we counsel them, to make sure that, you know, we're, we're looking after their well-being. But we're really definitely not in the public health space where, you know, we're, you know, dealing with, you know, different elements of uh, public relations, media relations. And so we were able to bring on a media firm or a public relations firm to help us promote and really uh, allow the public to see how all these things happening in the background ultimately potentially deny them access to what they need in terms of medications or healthcare. So from that vantage point, there's been uh, media releases. There has been for us to actually be at the state capitol, Sacramento, to voice our concern to some legislatures. Um, we've uh, been very fortunate enough to get a lot of media attention to various news media outlets 
And I think those have been very helpful to at least get the ball rolling in getting um, patients as well as the general public to be aware of, you know, what are some of the harmful effects of these DIRCs, for example, you know, via the PPMs. I see. I see. So that's really good that you got the media firm going too. And I guess to switch gears to the other issue is the the clawbacks. So can you also give our listeners a little bit of like what the clawbacks are? Well, so the clawbacks are uh, really a slightly different issue because they really evolve around Medi-Cal and um, a new fee schedule that was basically started by CMS a few years back, where basically they looked at how much pharmacists in terms of dispensing fees and whatnot, and they came up with a completely new uh, fee schedule on how they wanted to pay it, um, you know, through NIDAC. So what happened is that this was a fee schedule that was supposed to be taking place uh, back in April of 2017. And so the clawback, unfortunately, because of some delays in in terms of uh, actually drawing out or fully implementing this new pricing scheme for Medi-Cal, it didn't happen until literally about, I'd say, uh, four or five months ago. And when that happened, uh, there was this time delay, right, between April 2017 until when they implemented that, which is a few months ago. So the new pricing fee schedule obviously created a, a slight gap in terms of what they used to pay us versus what they pay us now. And so the clawback was instituted to really go back to the claims back in April 2017 and say, hey, what's the difference? And then um, let me go ahead and take that money back out from you for that difference in how much they were supposed to pay us versus what they actually paid us in that two-year period. Wow. So that's like, that, that would be really affecting the, the independent pharmacies, right? Because I, I know that for the bigger institutions, like for the place that I work at, there is kind of like a budget that they allotted for expecting that kind of clawback. But I, I can't imagine how that's going to be done for independent pharmacies or, you know, smaller pharmacies, right? Oh, absolutely. This is, I don't, I can't even um, explain how detrimental that has, this has been for a lot of actually independent pharmacy owners. They don't really have the infrastructure or they really don't know, have the know-how of really how this is going to affect them. As a matter of fact, when they are doing all the pricing schemes, we, you know, we're trying to figure out well, really, how much are they really going to pay us on these items or that items? And, you know, compounded with what pharmacists are doing on a day-to-day basis, it was almost impossible. It's almost, you know, something where I was like, hey, let's just see what happens and then we'll go from there. But when it did hit, it was quite significant, the gap between what was paid to us versus what was supposed to pay to us, especially when it came down to certain medications. And those medications were those that focused around high-dollar items in the specialty world. And some of the patients that were affected by this included patients that were HIV uh, or HIV medications, mental health patients, rheumatoid arthritis patients, any any patients that were on medications that were of a high dollar amount. And that uh, gap was so significant, as a matter of fact, that unfortunately, those patient populations, the medic- how they're paying during, uh, according to the new fee schedule was actually negative. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm saying negative, I, I don't mean that you know, the pharmacies were breaking even. I literally mean that the pharmacies were losing money. So if a medication was $1,000, our cost, they would dispense it at $950. And uh, as far as, yeah, yeah, you, you got it. I have not probably in all my days as a business owner or dealt with any other business owners for that matter, worked in an arena where you have to pay to service a particular uh, patient. And so as you can see, this was a major problem. So on two fronts, number one, a, a reimbursement schedule through NADAC that paid you, unfortunately, uh, negative reimbursements. And then, of course, uh, you compound that with the fact that they're going to go back two years and claim all those potential differences in the reimbursement and then quote, quote, claw back on how much they're paying you. So whatever check is that they're paying you every week, they're going to take that back uh, on a schedule 
of uh, what was owed to you or what you owe to them for the past two years. So for that, that amount of reimbursement that they're deciding on now, like, is there, do we know like what the rationale is for that amount? Like where it ends up being a negative amount? Well, you know, honestly, there's a lot of details involved in terms of the firm that was hired by CMS to figure out what that reimbursement schedule would be. I think some of the errors that we've seen um, really evolved around the fact that they did not anticipate two years ago that there would be such a widespread, right, uh, deviation uh, between drugs that were, say, fifty, you know, eighty dollars or a hundred dollars for the matter, and drugs that were a thousand or two thousand dollars, right? Once you get into those higher uh, numbers, whatever dispensing fee you you, you paid uh, did not quote unquote compensate for the deviation in terms of the cost of goods, right? that those more expensive medications cost. And the more expensive it was, the, the more of a deviation in terms of their calculation, right, of, of, of what that cost would be and it the other way where now it's to the, to the red. Crazy, right? Yeah, that's that's really, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of speechless actually. So uh, that kind of goes to how, how shocked I am. But, you know, like for, for these kind of things right now that's happening with clawbacks, what is CPHA doing, and I guess what is um what can pharmacists do and contribute to help you know fight these clawbacks? Well, first things uh, you know the the reaction you had was was pretty frankly the same exact response that we got from a lot of folks as we addressed and pretty much educated them on what was going on. Right, they were literally in shock. They're like, "Are you serious?" They they, they couldn't even comprehend how that wouldn't make any sense. And so that's how, to be upfront, very far-fetched this whole thing seems to most of us. Now, what can you do? And I think that there's definitely a lot of things that could be done. You know, for example, in our quote-unquote CPAG coalition fight, we have uh, gotten, number one, raise awareness, right? Let patients know, let other providers know, obviously fellow colleagues know, students know, the public, right? The patients that we service know uh, is, of course, the key thing. Um, the legislators that basically govern us, that's also a very critical population that we need to educate and let them know. We obviously can raise funds, right? The, the coalition has raised a good amount of funds to, to combat or really uh, raise some litigation against the state to let them know that, you know, this is this is not right, you know, uh, whether it's from a clawback perspective or from the NADAP pricing moving forward for all these claims. Because what ends up happening is that, you know, a lot of the pharmacies that are servicing the patients, they have to turn these patients away. That's just the reality, right? No one can sustain an operation making negative 50, negative 80, negative $100 per claim. That's just, I mean, that's just not possible. And so ultimately, patients are the ones that will be the, the, the ones that will suffer the most because where are they going to go now? And the worst part is that the population that's affected, this is probably the most needy population in, in our society. Right. Those that are affected by HIV, those that are affected by mental health. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example of the situation is one of my pharmacies service a lot of patients out in Skid Row. Okay? These patients, they don't have an address. <laughs> they're, they're literally on the street and you would have to find them and, and, and hunt them down at a corner or at a tent. And if they come once a month and you're not able to deliver those medications to them, or if they're not able to get those medications, then that's it. You might not find them again until maybe a month or the next month or, or multiple months, right? Depending on when they can find themselves back to the clinic. And imagine if, you know, we're one of the safety nets in the community that's servicing them and I have to turn them away. I can't even imagine the type of a public access crisis that as if this progresses, it's just going to be 
you know, exponentially worse in terms of how it's going to affect our our patients. Wow. So, you know, for for people who are listening right now, I, I'm sure like people, some people are going to want to, you know, try to help out and or maybe try to find more information. And, you know, before we kind of end the podcast, can you uh, provide some resources that they can find the information that I know you talked about the advocacy group and also uh, about CPHA? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we actually have our website, CPAG through CPHA. Um, and, you know, just log on and then uh, there's various ways that you can really help out, you know, whether it is sending an email or, or calling a, a local legislator or assembly person or um, donating funds or simply going out to support us at the state when we have state e- events or local events. Everything and every ounce of support matters. It matters for the profession. Um, it does matter for, you know, uh, as a whole in terms of how we're to continue, right, to do what we do in terms of the great work pharmacists. Through the CPAG, we're able to basically also have our patient front, uh, which we call the California's Access for Life-Saving Medication, which is, of course, the coalition of the Community Pharmacy Advocacy Group through CPHA. Again, this is really important because this particular channel allows patients in layman terms to understand how some of these issues that are you know, affecting us through these Medi-Cal cuts, clawbacks, as well as um, the new NADAC pricing, really is going to affect their access as patients in medications. And uh, we actually have videos there that really serve as a great illustrator to explain this really complicated issue in a more compact so that anyone can really uh, dive into what's happening in the background. Thank you for sharing that. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. And to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the podcast. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners have learned a lot about these issues if they haven't learned already. No, thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate the opportunity to really share some of this information uh, with the audience. It works. You know, keep it up. And let's hopefully get uh, some pharmacists to come out and support the cause. All right, if you guys like this episode, please rate us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. And you can find out more about our organization by visiting ocpha.org, or you can follow us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. But until next time, OCPHA is signing off, reminding you to get determined, get inspired.